Welcome everybody to another edition of Coffee and Open Source. I'm super excited for my guest today, but first I want to talk a little bit about New Wave Coffee. So it is theanine and raw cacao. I love it. It's like a nootropic. It's super, super good. I would definitely recommend, I'll throw it in the chat, uh, a link to some of the stuff that they're doing there. It's super, super awesome. So thanks, shout out to them for sponsoring Coffee and Open Source. I'm super excited today uh, because the person, when I met this person, he was rolling with a palette of Alexas. I mean, he doesn't always do that, but I think it's super, super cool. Great community guy. I want to introduce Jeff Blankenberg. Jeff, say hello, introduce yourself. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, as you said, my name is Jeff Blankenberg, and uh, the good news is, is that if people are looking to connect, especially after this session or whatever, um, you can find me with exactly that name. I am on pretty much every platform, including things like TikTok and whatever else you want to try and find me on uh, as at Jeff Blankenberg. So um, thank you for having me. I uh, I am the, the principal evangelist, te principal technical evangelist at Amazon. And um, I spend so much of my time thinking about voice and voice interactions and things with Alexa. Uh, so mute your devices now because we're probably going to say that word a few times. Yes. I muted mine. In that, in in all of that stuff, I spend my time primarily doing two things. One is stuff like this, being able to talk to people and share my knowledge and experience and and um, views on the future of voice and where we're headed and what we're doing, uh, and how to do a lot of the things that you can do today. Uh, but I also spend a lot of my time gathering back information from the folks that I talk to and say, "Hey, here's this cool thing," and they're like, "But I wish it did this," which happens all the time. Uh, and I carry all that information back to our product teams to make sure that we're continuing to grow and evolve the way that people want it to. So um, that's a that's the quick story on me. But I I came up from the community. Uh, I started uh, as a consultant doing lots of web development uh, at marketing agencies, and uh, found my way into speaking, which led to Microsoft saying, "Hey, do you want to speak more?" And I did that for a while. And then uh, about five years ago, I found myself on the Alexa team. Right about the time Alexa was uh, was released. So. It's been a fun journey. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who has um, some of those devices, I'm not going to say, even though it's muted in my room, I'm not going to say its name right now because I can only assume. I see it's red, but who knows? Uh, I mean, I have a, a few of them in my house. I love them. They're super, super exciting. They're fun to play with. They're great for kids. I mean, and we can talk about Alexa as we go throughout this this chat, but I want to get some more, you, you gave a little bit of intro to yourself. Do you, and I want to get some more, a little bit deeper into that. So oh, sure. do you, yeah, do you remember the first time like technology came across your, your lap and you were just like, this is great. I love it. And, you know, to piggyback on that question, do you remember when you first encountered like the, this concept of open source software or soft software that you could use and, and, you know, repurpose for your own needs? Sure. So we can, um, we can take many journeys back. Uh, I, I, uh, I started in technology, my hair, my, my hair color might give it away, but I started in technology far enough back where I didn't have the graphical user interface, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I was, I was playing in DOS and that's how I loaded things up and I would slap floppy disks into a machine and load nine of them to get a game to play or whatever. Um, and I think that was the first time that I encountered free software, right? Where there were applications and games that were just freeware that were available out there. And as, as the web started to grow, you found more of those. I, I found myself scouring websites like Two Cows. Do you remember Two Cows? Yep. Yeah. Um, I do remember Two Cows. Looking for software that was was capable of being used, and then as things like, I mean, GitHub's not the first, but as things like GitHub yeah. started to emerge, where now not only could I get their software, but I could get their source code. Mm -hmm. um, that was a that was a big big game changer for me. But to go back to your first question, which was 
um, what was that first time that like you got your hands on some technology and it just blew your mind? Yeah. I, I don't know if this was my first, it was probably my most recent, honestly, not even my most recent, but I mentioned that I've been at Alexa since almost the beginning. And I always use that word almost because I was um, like every good developer, I decided I could go get rich at a startup and I was wrong. Yeah. And um, while I was at that startup and I had already decided it was time for me to move on, um, the Amazon Echo that I had pre-ordered because it looked cool was shipped and it, it landed in my uh, my mailbox and I was like, this is amazing. Like now that I would finally gotten a chance to play with it and I'd played with things like Cortana and Siri and stuff before, but there was something different about how Alexa worked. And so thanks to, you know, my rich network of friends and people that I had, had built uh, relationships with over the years, I started scouring my LinkedIn and looking for anybody that might be related to Alexa. And thankfully a good friend of mine from Microsoft at the time, uh, his name was Davis Bitsky had become the evangelist for Alexa. And I was like, Dave, how do, how do I get involved? This is too cool. I can't miss out on this. I want to be a part of it. And he goes, this is the weirdest phone call I've ever received. Your name and phone number are number one on the list that I'm calling today to reach out oh, to more people. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, and so I just called him out of the blue, but he was planning on calling me that same day. And so um, I got in probably six months after the device uh, was released. You got to go through the interviews and all that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I haven't looked back. Uh, between between all the smart home stuff, as you can see all the nonsense behind me, um, and all of the voice interaction software that I've uh, been able to build, um, this is the future, man. And I, I just... I can't believe I'm five years in and can't wait for more. Yeah, I mean, I, I as again, as somebody who is fascinated by like even the smallest little bits of technology, my wife jokes with me because my my the thing that I'm most impressed by, and this and you're gonna laugh at this, is like like pneumatic tubes. Like when you go to the bank and oh, yeah. the tube that shoots the vacuum that shoots the tube up, right, when you're at the drive to the bank. To me that is absolutely fascinating. And it's like the most simple principles, right? And my wife's like, it's just it just sucks it up. I'm like, no, you don't understand like what is required to make that happen. And like, right. and I mean, I do this with a lot of stuff and I mean, it's very frustrating for her because whenever we have an issue with technology, I, I have to, unfortunately, I'm, I'm very guilty of mansplaining to my wife a lot. I'm like, you don't understand how this actually, like in order for this device to do what it does, these are all the things it needs to do first. And she's like, I don't care. It just doesn't work. Right. And I just want the and thing to exactly right. So I mean, I don't know if your significant other is in tech or interested in tech or not, but you know, we have very patient, you know, spouses in this world. If we, yes. if our spouses are not right, I, uh, I, I am very conscious of the mansplaining, though it's it's hard not to do sometimes, even with my kids, because they're just they just want the light switch to turn on. I'm like, well, yeah. let me explain how this all works, and they're like, yeah. don't no, care, don't do that. Just, yeah. just want it to work. Um, yeah. so no, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Did you, so here's a, here's another like background question. Do you, did you, were you a tinkerer as a child? Do you remember disassembling um, and assembling stuff all the time? Or were you very much like you like to play with your toys the way they came? Oh, tink, tinkerer all the way. Uh, yeah. I was the kid who put a Lego set and build other stuff from it. Um, yeah. another thing that I used to do, and I, I wish we had cell phones back then because I, I really feel like I built some cool stuff. Although looking back, it was probably terrible. No, I mean, uh, I used to build be. these, re these really elaborate marble runs in my, my bedroom. Oh, okay. Um, and we're not talking about like a kit that you just build. So, like mm. I'm talking about like I would construct books and ramps and like all yeah. of the stuff to get a marble from A to B through a really complex process mm. or almost Rube Goldbergian kind of machine. Sure. 
uh, I know that I used to do that all the time. And it used to drive my mom crazy because I have this like, mom, I need a stool. <laughs> what do you need a stool in your room for? Don't worry about it. I just yeah, like, I've got to get the marble from here. Rolling <laughs> None down of your business, work. mom. None of your business. Right. Uh, so I definitely did a lot of that stuff. I don't, I was not one of those kids though, that, you know, at, at 12, I wrote my first program. Uh, I yeah. really didn't get into programming at all until college. Uh, I was very tech literate. Um, and I could, again, I was using windows before, um, or I was using, um, MS DOS before windows even existed. So like I was capable, but I was never somebody that was like getting magazines and writing code into yeah. a, into an interpreter. Right. So yeah. a lot of that stuff I missed out on. Um, but I also got a degree in psychology, so I didn't really realize what I loved until much later in my sure. life. Well, I mean, with psychology, you're supposed to just love everything, right? Like, or is that philosophy? Philosophy is the love. That, of, I think that's yeah, philosophy. Yeah. Psychology is me trying to peer into your mind as I'm doing. Oh, that. I mean, that's that. Let's do that. Let, we can just spend the rest of the chat just you know figuring out what's wrong with Isaac because we'll be here for more than an hour. Um, <laughs> I'm sure many professionals have tried. I'm not sure. I'm yeah, uh, probably uh, at least at least a few I can think of. Um, I mean, so I I like to tell this story because. When I was younger, I was the take apart the remote control car kid. And okay. like, and I mean, the remote control car, it turned to when we got our first computer when I was a sophomore in high school, you know, my parents, they, you know, they got the computer on layaway, it came, it, we got it. And, you know, day two, it was completely taken apart. <laughs> and I remember my dad saying, you need to put this back together right now. And not, and not in those words and not with that tone, um, but... I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it back together. He's like, well, you have to figure it out and you have to figure it out now. So right. I, you know, I eventually got it back together and that, I think that spurred kind of my love of just how things work. I mean, I always liked how things work, but you know, uh, back then like computers were fairly, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was a Hewlett Packard, like whatever HP Pavilion. So it was like a newer computer. Um, but it was still like, there's all these wires and like you, like this is back in the day when you can short out things like very, very easily. Sure. Um, so, I mean, the fact that I was able to get it all set up without blowing anything up was, um, a miracle. But I think it, the reason why I, I like having this conversation is because I feel like technologists in general are, are natural tinkerers and they enjoy how stuff, how stuff works. You know, I've done a lot of these interviews and I don't think I have run into one person who has said, no, I just, I just write code. I mean, it right. also is probably dependent on the kind of people that I like to interview. Um, yeah. You, you are selecting the kind of people that are probably crazy. Yeah. I've, yeah. In my early days of being a developer, there were, I, I would say 60, maybe 70% of the people I worked mm -hmm. with were exactly what you described. I write code because I get paid to do it. And yeah. I'm interested in doing anything with technology or writing code when I'm not being paid to do it. Yeah. Here's a question for you um, on the similar topic. Do you think that as we've gotten more and more into a GitHub dependent world, open source software dependent world, do you think, do you find that people are more passionate about technology or do you feel like there's, because the money is so good in tech, as everybody knows, do you think there's still a lot of people that do the code camps, they do the this because they know that there's, it's an opportunity to, you know, for forward progression. Like, what do you think I about that? I wouldn't say that it's a majority, but there yeah. at every event that I go to, there are those people that you start talking to them and you realize they know nothing about technology, yeah. but they're there because they're interested or maybe just because of the money, but they're interested yeah. in getting into this business in some way. Yeah. And I find that that happens 
over and over and over. And they're, they're often the very vocal ones because they, yeah. they're, they're surrounded by a bunch of stuff that they don't necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. Or someone that's been writing code or been a developer for four or five years, like they kind of know the industry. They know what they can and can't yeah. do. They know what their capabilities are. And so when they come to a session, like a, a learn to build your first Alexa skill session, they know where to find the answers and how to do all exactly. this stuff. But somebody that's new, um, they will come in and say, hey, I have this cool idea. Mm-hmm. How do I make this happen? Um, and that's a really hard question to answer sometimes. Yeah. But I think that there there will always be some percentage of people that are chasing a dollar. Uh, there's also a lot of folks that are in just in the business world, right? They're not necessarily yeah. ignorant to what's going on, but they don't know how to do the stuff that we do. Yeah. They, they, they figure, I mean, any more – if you want to do it, it's probably possible. Yeah. Uh, the one example I always use is the ability for uh, a computer to recognize smells. Sure. Uh, and I'm sure that's probably coming along in the next 10 years too. So I mean, there's, there's sensors. Like I imagine that there's depth there's like, for instance, like there's, there's carbon monoxide sensors, right? Like in a, mm-hmm. in a smoke, in a smoke alarm. Right. I mean, so there, the technology exists to detect different gases. So it's just a matter of finding an interface for that, thing right right I, like i'd imagine there's some raspberry pi sensor that has a smell of vision on it i mean it's probably not it's probably for particular use cases detecting certain kinds of gas like it's not going to smell you know um what's a great example of something that smells amazing i'm apple pie it's not going to smell apple pie and be like that's apple pie it might say that is a composition of blah 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 blah, blah right um but I, it's funny you, that combination generally smells like apple pie that would be pretty cool. <sighs> I mean, uh, and then I, on top of that, I want to be able to communicate the other way. Eventually, my my future vision is where we only communicate in smells. That that's how mm, I want to do it. Well, so like instead I mean, of sending people like emojis, I want to send you the smell of apple pie. Something. I mean, that's dangerous. Like trolls right. would love that. Trolls would love that. I mean, I think one of the things is well, and you brought up something that I find very funny. As somebody who's in tech, how many times have you gotten the I have an idea for an app, mm-hmm. right? And I'm even a whole I, I, yeah, exactly. And, I, and that's what I wanted to talk to you because, you know, as setting up for this, I kind of went through and seen some of the things you've talked about and seen some of the things that you've you've done, um, like, publicly, like, interview-wise. And I always love – I have an idea for an app. And uh, the, I love the idea for an app. And I always, like – it's funny because everybody's idea is already picked. And then eventually – occasionally, sorry, you run into somebody who has an idea that's a little bit too complicated to just be an app, Right. Like they maybe want to do like what two or three apps to do and they want to do it like seamlessly together. Um, and then I point them to things like Alexa or other home assistants or other tools that, um, you know, do a lot of that. If this, then that, Hey, I have this thing. Can you do like this sequence of things? And people in me always end up saying, Oh, like I can use that for that. I, I think I find it very interesting how some people just think that a lot of these devices that we buy, they're, they can only do one thing at a time, but right. instead they can really do multiple things at a time. You just have to understand how to tell them to do like their computers. Cause so they're smarter than everybody else, but they're also very stupid. Right. So, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I do this, but, I do this silly thing with, with baseball cards where, uh, on the weekend, sometimes I will, I'll buy, I'm not kidding about this. I'll buy like $1,200 worth of boxes of baseball card packs. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then I will sell the rights to all of those teams on eBay or something. Um, so there's 30 buyers that own all the teams. And then I open all the packs live on stream. And if you saw yeah. a card that was for your team, you're going to receive that in the mail. I'm going to send them all out to you. Um, and as part of that, what I do is I have a, I have a stream deck. I have it sitting here in front of me actually. Yep. 
with, with all you got the, the big you got the you got the big one i got the big one too oh, yeah. and so on that stream deck i have all of the team's logos and so every time i pull a card i tap the button and then i have a live updated leaderboard that runs on the video stream as well so people can mm -hmm. see exactly how many cards they got and the person that gets the fewest cards out of the entire box um gets their money back so if you had the worst take you got the fewest cards of any, anyone sure. you also get your money back and people are like how did you build all this yeah and at the end of the day, yes, I had to buy a stream deck, but that stream deck button push is just pushing out to if this, then that, which is yeah. updating a website. And then I'm just taking that website view and embedding it inside um, OBS. I didn't have to write any software. I just funnel all of those requests immediately through OBS, through uh, if this, then that. Yeah. And I think that if this, then that is still one of those greatest possible internet secrets. I don't, I don't think enough people know about it, um, but I use that in so many different ways. I mean, I, I, I want to talk about the baseball card thing because I have a, I have a baseball card thing too. Um, but I totally agree. I love the, the idea of it's as simple as a button push, but that like it goes back to the tube thing. Like that button push literally does like you. So you have to have a problem solver mindset, right? Because that's all technologists are. Like I mean, there's sure there are computer scientists out there that are brilliant. But for the most part, if you're in the, the, you know, if you're in the business world and you're a developer, you're a problem solver because, you know, more than likely you're not going to have to write like crazy logarithm, like logarithmic algorithms that do all these things, right? It's literally like forms over data 99% of the time. So yeah. being able to plug in multiple things is like how most of us are successful. Otherwise, I think you could get really frustrated trying to write everything um, by itself. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the, the baseball card thing. As somebody who used to collect baseball cards and stopped because it turned into something that was un, un, unmanageable, let's just say that, um, like some people will probably think, oh, Jeff, why, like, how do you get any enjoyment out of just opening up baseball cards? And that's for people, people who don't collect baseball cards. The best part is opening them and looking at yep. them, the first look, yep. right? Like after you collect them and they're somewhere, like more than likely, unless they're a very, very nice card, you'll never look at that card again, right? But Agreed. the, the um, I guess the adrenaline rush of there might be a good card in here. Yeah, and more than likely it's, yeah, more mm -hmm. than likely there's not a good card in there, but mm -hmm. there's still an opportunity. And I don't know if they still do this with baseball cards, but they used to tell you what the likelihood of a, ser a particular series, they'll say like inside on the pack. It's like, yep. oh, one in 5,000 chance of getting a signed, you know, bat piece or whatever, right? And I remember like, I mean, if I buy if I buy 5,000 of these things, I can get, you know, I, I, I'll date myself as it pertains to like, so, um, so like I stopped collecting baseball cards in the early 2000s. So like, the the cards to get were Pujols. They were each. It was Ichiro, Miguel Cabrera, like that generation of baseball players. So it was very much like, okay, well, I can get if I can buy five thousand of these, I can get a Pujols signed bat piece, and then my signed bat, like the one of five thousand signed bat piece, would be like you know, some player who he got a signed bat piece because he happened to be a starter for the Rockies that year, right? Sure. Um, and like instead of that being a $15,000 card, it'd be like a $30 card or whatever. Yeah. And, but, but like the rush of collecting baseball cards is all about the, the likely, the unlikelihood of getting lucky. Right. Yeah. Um, which some people so, probably so think I, is impractical. 
I actually go the other way. Like I like doing the breaks because it's fun and it's like it's, yeah. there's a, an awesome community around it. But very rarely do I buy into a break or do I yeah. I do that stuff. Well, I, I do occasionally. What I what I find is for my collecting anyway is that I have certain players, certain teams that yeah. I really like, yeah. and the prolifer the proliferation of technology has made it so much more accessible than it was yeah. when I was a kid. So I I grew up in the Mark McGuire era, like yeah. that kind of like mid eighties, late eighties kind of stuff. And all of my cards are worthless because they made like the, the oh. card companies are so greedy that they just mass produce things to a level that, yeah. I mean, I, let me, I'll show you this. I'll just grab this right here. Um, yeah. And while Jeff is doing that, like just so, so during the eighties, like tops and Donruss, they printed so many of a particular, like, like, for instance, you can go and buy, like, unopened pack, unopened boxes of, like, 1988 Donruss, and it's like, yeah, right? Yeah, this exactly. This is an entire box of 1990. Of These are yeah. prints. They're, they're still brand new. Yeah. But there yeah. were so many made yeah. that you'll never open them all, and they're, none of them are worth anything. I mean, um, the like, so was, is it 90s or 89 where it has the Griffey that's actually worth money? I can't remember. 89, 89, 89, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, it's funny too, because I, I don't know if you're, if, if your folks are somebody that was older than you when you were growing up collected baseball cards too. But I, I remember having this conversation with my dad a lot and I always used to be like, Oh, like the, the mantle, like there's a, there's a very famous Mickey mantle card. And the reason why it's so famous is because like 40,000 of them sank in the Hudson river. Like they were on a barge coming in from, you know, from wherever the cards were produced and the, the a, a bunch of those cards got lost. So like this, they're very scarce. And I remember showing my dad a picture of it. And he's like, "Oh, I had like five of those." And we used to put them on our spokes on our bicycle, and it would make funny yep. sounds. And I'd be like, "Dad, yeah, like dad, that my, card is my worth." Dad has, my dad had quite a collection actually, and the the prized possession in all of his stuff. My uh, my great grandfather. We we've always been in, from Cleveland. My great-grandfather was an usher at Old League Park, which is where the Indians played in like the mm -hmm. 20s, like the 40s. And back then, security wasn't what it was today. So like he would just bring his son, my grandfather, to games. And my grandfather would just run around the stadium and do whatever he wanted. Like he's, you know, he's 10, 12. And so he would go up on the roof of the building where fall balls would be collected. And he would, ha he would have as many baseballs as he wanted, yep. right? Yep. Um, but what he would do during the games, because again, you had the kind of access that you don't have today, mm -hmm. he would go down and he would go to the dugouts of the opposing teams and get them to sign the ball. Yeah. So he'd have mm -hmm. like he'd have a ball specific for the Yankees or for the Orioles yeah. or whoever. Yeah. And my my grandfather kept this going over many, many years. Mm -hmm. And he had he had a ball that had both Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle on it. Yeah. Um, and all of the great Yankees in between, all on one ball, right? Yeah. Like just absolutely amazing. Um, they took it to some auctions and the guy's like, this, this ball is priceless. I can't yeah. imagine it going for less than six figures. And this was in the eighties. Yeah. Um, it's just, just crazy, crazy. We're getting way too deep into baseball. Though. No, I mean, I can like, so these conversations, they, they, sometimes they go technology. Sometimes they go on, on, on random paths. I also collect autographed baseball so I could talk about that all day long. Um, but I think one of the big things that like you mentioned, like access to things, right. When you brought up like the baseball story. And I think, yeah. you know, now we have these people that are coming into tech and they have access to all this stuff. I mean, I'm not that old, but I remember 
I, I remember being a developer in the early 2000s, learning how to write code, and there not being a ton of resources to learn things, right? Like you could get books, like the internet was still a thing, was a thing, but there wasn't just all this available source code available on the internet that was easily accessible, like CodePlex and things were things, but they weren't as fulfilled as GitHub is. And right. I mean, now like developers and even technologists in general have access to all of this source code and not just source code too, like, uh, you know, technical documentation or, you know, how to's like one of the things that I think is like people use GitHub. I even use GitHub to like, I, I share what my home automation setup is at home. So like I have some raspberry Pis that have a bunch of media servers and all the stuff. And like, it's all, everything runs in Docker. So like all of my Docker compose files are just available for somebody to just clone so they can have the same experience that I do. It's all good, but there's not code. It's all just documentation, which it just fulfilling the ability for people to do whatever they want and not no barrier to entry, which I think is super important. I, I agree. I mean, it's something that's very unique about developers and our community that there is this very, I want to give back mentality. Um, one of the things that I, I talk heavily about when I talk to developers is the idea that literally anyone that's writing any kind of code or in, involved in any kind of building of technology solutions, you should all have a blog. Every single one yeah. of you should have a blog. Um, and the day one starter kit for having a blog is write down what you learned today. Here's the thing that I just discovered. I didn't know this before, or I Googled and I found this thing. And here's, here's how I now understand this concept. Um, and the, the pushback I always get is, well, who's going to read it? Like they're, they're always focused on the likes, like, yeah. how am I going to get more, more readership? It's not about that at all. It's yeah. about documenting your journey and documenting the stuff that is important to you and that you took on. Uh, because even if somebody else wrote a bigger blog post with more detail, it doesn't mean that yours isn't the one that's going to solve exactly. the problem for someone. Exactly. And I am embarrassed to admit the number of times that I've gone to Google, searched for a problem that I'm having, only to find a blog post that I wrote three years ago. Um, that is embarrassing. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, how do I do this? I've never done this before. Oh, I guess I have done this before. Yeah, yeah. I always bring up, so uh, a friend of mine, Scott Hanselman, he always talks about, like, so you, you don't blog for anybody else. You blog for yourself in the future, right? right? So, like, the amount of times, me personally, and I don't blog a ton. I definitely need to blog more than I do. I'll find blogs that I wrote all the time or, like, something that I, like a tweet. Like, for instance, I'll search something and they'll be like, oh, like, I tweeted about this 18 months ago and I had this exact same issue. I mean, I've, I've decided there are certain parts of my brain that I'll never be able to accomplish certain things unless I have the Internet. So, I mean, to be able to take the power of all this technology that's around us and basically extend our memory, I think is super important. Because I think, uh, especially now with technology being so important in our lives, we have this thing where we lose track of information constantly because there's an endless stream of it, right? right? So the ability to access different pieces of information is super important because I my memory is terrible and I think my memory is very good. But like, especially like, how do I write a for loop you know, in, you know, in, in JavaScript, like I know how to do it. Like if you tell me, but like the amount of times I've Googled it, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Just simple, simple things. Like I just want a piece of this string. How do I do that again? Is it substring? Yeah. Which language yeah, yeah. am I in? How do I, you know, totally, I'm totally with you on that. Um, and I think that's one of the things that is most exciting to me about the voice world. Yeah. It's because people think of it as voice, but it, it's not really, we're, we're talking about like a personal AI. Right. And if you think about yeah. having 
personal AI, the, the way the way I view it anyway, is it's the next step up from my phone. Yeah. My phone is a tool that I can personally use to go get the information that I want. But I feel like a personal AI is the one that has the information ready at the moment that I need it. So imagine it being able to pay attention to what I'm typing on the screen and it can see and maybe even interpret the code like, oh, he's about to try to write substring and I know he doesn't know how to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Here's the syntax for that, right? And we see little things like that with IntelliSense and VS Code or whatever, but yeah. um, being able to take that on a broader level and say, hey, you you have a dentist appointment next Tuesday. And I know that because I booked it for you because it's been six months since your last one. This is the yeah. first you're even thinking about it, but here you go. Yeah. Next Tuesday, you've got it. Like, that's amazing to me. And it's in the case, it's funny because I love that, but also I get very frustrated when technology recommends things to me for whatever reason. It's like, you don't know me better than I know me, but no, they actually know me far better than I know me, right? Sure. And so occasionally, like I've seen this a few times recently where um, my Alexa device, if I ask it, like if in the morning, if I ask it, you know, what's the weather today? Like I always do. It'll always say, if you just say good morning, it'll give you all this information, right? Like all the information that you are, that you ask for one by one. It's like, if you just say good morning, I'll give you all this information. I'm like, no, I want to ask each question individually, wait for your response and then meet. Yeah, exactly. I don't want you telling me what's a more efficient approach robot. Um, but no, like, I mean, like the ability to like, obviously that wasn't something simple. Like there was a ton of user research that was done. There's a ton of telemetry that was read out. I was like, yeah, we noticed that people ask, what's the time? What's the weather? What's this? What's that? They all do it in sequence. So instead of doing it in sequence, how about we have one command that does all of it at once. And that to me is brilliant. Um, and you'll see like other like pieces of technology will do something very similar where they'll just insert recommendations or they'll say something as simple as oh do you want to set an appointment for that like oh give me directions to this place okay do you want to blah 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 there's coffee along your route or whatever it's like yes of course i want coffee around my route um but it's just like technology is getting so good that i almost feel like is it gonna like start thinking for me completely and that's the concern right because once it starts thinking for you like what what are you here for right well, and that's something that um, I really struggle with because I, I want all of that utility, right? I think about all the time that you spend just managing things like errands and bills and yeah. a bunch of other stuff. I give a whole talk on this, but bills is a great example. Like if you ask anybody, hey, if I, would, if I created an AI engine that could manage all of your bills for you, yeah. would you want that? 99.99% of people are going to say, no, I have very manual decisions I have to make as I pay my bills. Which ones am I going to pay now? Where does the money come from? How am yeah. I going to manage all this? But I honestly feel like that is a prime candidate mm-hmm. for AI. Like, I don't I don't want to spend any time thinking about my bills. I want to know that they're paid and I want to know if we have a problem. Yep. But you can't tell me that AI couldn't make similar or better decisions about yep. how you manage your money than you could. Well, especially with the- be like, stop going to Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially with data, right? Like when what a lot of people don't understand about AI is that it just doesn't work in a, in a vacuum. It's always learning, like using data that you're providing it. Right. So like your bill pay example is, is great. You say, okay, cause there are apps that exist already that take all of your transactions across all of your accounts and, and give you information about them, give you graphs saying you spent way too much at Starbucks or whatever. Um, but like, you could easily have something that's learning off of that data saying, oh, it looks like you pay your phone bill on the same day from this account every every month. 
like what's the point of even having to worry about it? like sure bill pay exists but like then you have to go out to some website that probably has terrible authentication password things and right. that you have to manage all of your accounts like yeah like one one account and this goes to like the one ring to rule them all which a lot of people are terrified of like if you have one account that does like okay this is my bill pay account and literally like you add your uh, your uh, checking accounts to it or your savings accounts and you add your bills and it does everything else for you like I don't know how much time I spend on paying bills a month it's not a lot but you aggregate it over a few years and it's a couple hours I mean yeah. saving time it's something, that, it's something that consumes cycles and that's something that yeah. always bugs me is like there's moments where you're like did I make the mortgage payment I don't remember if I did that or not like yeah. that's a big deal if you didn't do it yeah. and you want to make sure that that stuff's handled. So your brain is always running some cycles in the background. Like, did I pay my bill? Did I handle yeah. this? Uh, whatever. Do I have enough money? Whatever the, the situation sure. might be. And if you could take all those cycles away and then do that for a number of other things, right? Let it manage my social life. I would love for AI to set up a Friday night meetup with my buddies well, yeah. post COVID of course, but like think about trying to get your your friends together, right? Like, Hey, let's yeah. go to a bar on Friday night. Okay. Now I got to call or text each one of them. And then I've got to oh. wait for the replies. And gotta, like, it's a nightmare. No. Just have the AI figure all that stuff out for me, and then we all show up, and we're all surprised when none of us planned it, but we're all here together, right? Yeah. Like, that's amazing. I told my wife this, too. I'm like, men are, especially men, are terrible at planning other activities with other men. There's a reason yeah. why, like, yeah, I, and I don't know how many people you would call her like, in your friend circle, but I imagine it's fairly small because it's too much work. It's too yes. much work, and I don't have the patience to, like, have a lot of friends, and I mean, it's not right. because I don't have the opportunity to. I'm very cool, Jeff. Um, but yeah, I, cool. Cool. I mean, but but it's still it's like it's this thing where it's yeah. If I had a personal assistant, that's like okay. And on Friday, you have a meeting with your friends. I'm like oh, that's. I mean, I don't have to do that. They already know right. about it, and they're gonna show right. up. Okay, I'll show up. Why not? And all the time you get back, you put it back into your family or your yeah. work or your hobbies or whatever. I yeah. mean, I I have no shortage of baseball cards to still go through in this office. That's for sure. Yeah, so, I mean. Yeah. Is, yeah. It, is your stack taller than you? Way taller, right? Uh, well, I mean, they're all in boxes and things, but yeah, yeah well, for sure. We're, we're talking about a library of cards right now that's well over 30,000. Mm. So okay. there, yeah, there's no shortage of cards here. Um, but it, as far as friends go, I, I have six high school buddies that we get together once or twice a year, right? We yeah. generally, our rule was before COVID, we'd go to one away, we're Cleveland fans. So we go to one away Indians series. So like okay. wherever the Indians are going to be playing, we'll go to that city and, and see them and hang out for the weekend. And then we'll do one away Browns game uh, where we'll go see the Browns in some other city. Mm -hmm. And so, and then we'll, you know, where we can, we get together, but there's, you know, there's one guy in, in Pittsburgh. There's a couple mm -hmm. in DC, there's a couple in Cleveland, one yeah. in Illinois. So like, you know, we're spread out. It's not it's that hard. easy to get together frequently. Um, but yeah, I, I know I'm probably the exception. Having a couple of guys trips a year, that's just unheard of. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's also, it's, it's so, it's so simple when you think about it, right? Like there's people that you love and care about and you want to spend more time with them, but like the actual effort to do the scheduling, which is something that's done by machines anyway, right? Like, you know, you're sending emails, you're sending text messages, you're sending calendar invites, like that is all machines doing stuff for you. Like, sure. You have to decide, but all you have to do is decide. And like, I, I told people this is all, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, if I granted it enough context, and th yeah. this is where that, that gray line gets gets real tricky, but if I could grant my personal AI, something I trust, mm -hmm. yeah. access to my calendars, mm 
that realistically, if it could also have access to my friends' calendars, it could do all of that for us, right? Yeah. Like it can say like, oh, it looks like they're all free on Friday night. And I'm sure there's hundreds of times where you and your friends were all sitting home doing mm -hmm. nothing, being bored. And if you had just called or texted each other, you'd realize like, oh, we could have gotten together. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's it's not rocket science. Here's a random no. question for you. When you get together with your high school friends, do you immediately go back to high school? Um, and you're, I mean, and you're we, just, and you're just doofus, like high school doofuses and, and like yeah, all the same jokes hold up. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Completely. It's, completely. isn't that, it's so strange. Like my, like yes. I did a 10 year high school reunion a few years ago and I, you know, went back and like all my friends and it was literally, my wife was like, I don't even know who you are. Like, I don't recognize this person. I'm like, yeah, there's a reason why I changed so much since high school because I was a doofus. Right. But like right. you go, like, I don't know whether it's environment or just like. These are the people that you structure the foundation of your whole personality around. So, like, I mean, I don't think my friends from high school know, like, me in and out, but, like, they know to the core, like, who I am. So I can right. be more, more, I, I don't want to say natural because that's not fair to the people that I'm with now. But it's, like, that I'm allowed to be, I guess, a bit more carefree, I guess, or, like, not yeah. afraid of, like, whatever. It is yeah. an authenticity, though, for sure. Yeah. I mean – when I'm talking to somebody professionally, even as you and I are talking here, we're not mm -hmm. old friends. I mean, we've met each other a few times and talked, but um, we're being different than yeah. I, than you or I would certainly be with our old friends because we can let that guard down and be our authentic selves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to keep a very professional persona here and have a cool conversation with you, but yeah. um, we're, we're not making all the old jokes that we made in high school either. No, I mean, well, the, I think the old jokes will get a lot of people canceled, right? Like that's a thing too. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. also I feel like friend, like, your, your friends from a long time ago, like your, the chance of that, of you offending them are substantially less because they put up, they put up with you for when you were the worst. Like when you're a teenager, you are the worst person on the face of the earth, no matter how nice of a person you are. I have two of them in my house right now. I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. I, I mean, and so I want to go back to like this concept of like AI or technology kind of helping you be a better person or being a, be more thoughtful. And I remember mm -hmm. when Siri first came out. And the response immediately was, oh, Siri can literally do everything. That wasn't obviously the case because it was a very, like, very naive new UI, AI. But, like, this concept of, hey, I don't want to do all of these other things. But so if I can have something control me. And I tell people this all the time. It's like, all the systems that you use, they have AI behind them, right? Like, every single one. Like, you use your uh, mortgage payment example, right? Like, if you miss a payment... No human being is saying Jeff missed his payment. We're going to send him to collections. No human being does that. So right. like you don't have the ability to even like if somebody like you get a, a letter in the mail saying you didn't pay your bill. Now we're going to hit you really hard with interest payments or whatever our, our fees or whatever. And you say, I didn't even have a chance to defend myself. I just forgot. I have the money. I just forgot. But it doesn't matter. Right. So what I tell people is if you can let technology help you so technology doesn't hurt you because technology will hurt you every time because they're unbiased right uh so it's one of those things where i try to over automate my life and that annoys a lot of people um because a lot of people don't like interacting with hey isaac has this isaac has that but i think it makes my life easier because i i mentioned earlier i forget things all the time and if i forgot to pay rent or if i got to pay my bill like as somebody who got sent to collections for a four dollar copay for a medical bill. I was like, wow. if you would have just, if you would have just told me I moved. So like they didn't have my forwarding address, but like you have my email, you have my phone, 
Just call me and say you owe us four dollars. I would have paid you there. But no, you sent me to collections, and now I got to deal with all that nonsense. So right. I mean, and no person decided to send me to collections. Let's just be clear. It was a bunch yeah. of tech, right? A bunch of workflows. And you I mean, it up as a line of spreadsheet somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So like, let technology help you so it doesn't hurt you in the future. That's why I tell people all the time they look at me like I'm crazy. Um, right. And not this is people. This is something that since I've gotten to Amazon, I've become hyper aware of. Uh, Amazon, I mean, they, they say that they're the most customer centric company on earth, right? Like they sure. are so focused on making sure their customers yeah. are happy and they're having success because of it. And when I look at other places, I see so many practices, so many behaviors in business mm -hmm. and in technology that are almost anti-customer. Sure. Um, they're, they're pro the business. Um, yeah. that it, it, I don't know. It makes me angry because yeah. if you're, if you're taking your customer's best interest in mind here, here's a perfect example. We'll go sure. back to banking. a little bit. Yeah. I have a checking account, right? Mm -hmm. And we, our bills are all paid out of that. And we actually have two. We have one that is for like variable expenses, like groceries. You never really know how sure. much your grocery bill is going to be every week, but I do know how much my car payment, my mortgage yeah. and gas bill and that stuff are. So there are two separate accounts, one for fixed bills, one for variable expenses. But then once in a while, you'll get some money. Um, maybe you get, to, you get a gift from your grandmother or something that's an extra hundred mm -hmm. bucks. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to take that hundred dollars and I'm going to put it in the bank account. It's now blended in with the mm -hmm. rest of that money. But realistically, what I wanted to do was earmark that for maybe a vacation fund or something sure. like that. Banks have the ability. I, I mean, I build web stuff all the time. I know they could do this. They could build sub accounts into my bank account that let yeah. me say you have $3,000 sitting here. You have $400 in your vacation fund and this, but they're all technically in the same bank account. Yeah. Because uh, as I've learned, there are a bunch of federal and state laws about how many bank accounts you can have and how often sure. you can move money between yeah. them. I don't actually care about having separate bank accounts. What I care about is being able to designate my money almost like little envelopes inside my bank yeah. account. Mm -hmm. Nobody offers this, yeah. but it seems like something that is so naturally obvious for a lot of consumers, but because the bank doesn't need to do it, they don't do it. They're not thinking about yeah. their customers in that way. Well, that, so that's, that's a brilliant thought. And here's something that I was just thinking about when you mentioned that every email provider allows you to categorize or label emails. Why mm -hmm. can't you categorize or label? Because the banks do it on the other side. Like if you right. spend a bunch of money, like if, if, like for instance, if I spend a lot of money at Amazon, which I do, I spend a lot of money at Amazon, everybody does. My bank knows because the, because they have the vendor ID and they, that, and like they categorize, like if you get your summary statements or if you export it to mint or some others, like, Oh, right. you spent $1,500 on Amazon this month. Like, and it categorizes it as, I don't know, expense, some expense. So like banks have the ability to already do it because they're already doing it on the other side, but like right. allowing you to manage it, I would feel like that's something very, it's something simple that could easily be done. And I, I, I don't even need sub accounts. Like I just want to be able to say, okay, how much money do I have under this label? Like if I deposit a check, like, okay, right. this is, this is bills. This check goes to bills. This money goes to you know, frivolous jet ski fund, right? right? Like, I mean, it should be simple. It should be as simple as that. But again, I mean, totally I don't well, know how those systems work. They're probably example. all in mainframes. So does they probably can't store, store the information like that anyway, but. But there are new banks starting, yeah. right? Sure. You think somebody would really rethink this? Like Ally Bank claims to be, right? Like really modern with tax yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't actually know anything about their infrastructure, but 
it seems like somebody could reinvent this. There's got to be some startup that's thinking about how do we disrupt banking because banking feels broken to me. Uh, it feels yeah. like there's a huge opportunity for innovation there and nothing's happening. Um, but going back to the Amazon example, right? You buy a bunch of stuff from Amazon. So when I look at my credit card transactions, all I see is Amazon, 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 Amazon. I don't, I don't, I can't even map those easily back to my purchases. Yeah. And what I really want to be able to do is say, oh, this was for the toaster and this was the gift that we bought. And this is the paper towel shipment we get every month. And yeah. like, I wish I could see that as I look through my bank statement, but I can't see any of that. And I don't even yeah. have the place where I could label it. Yeah. And I wonder if that's an issue with the vendor, right? Like I've seen, like, if I, like I use mint, I, I know a lot of people use mint. Uh, they yeah, don't do. sponsor this, this stream, but I think so. like mint, for instance, like if they'll take that data, any data that they see, and they'll just do with it whatever they want. So they'll recognize that like a particular store is a restaurant. Um, but I think like it's a responsive, like I don't know what those transactions across the wire look like between banks and vendors. But like if it's as simple as just attaching some receipt, which again, a machine could read and process it for you. I mean, these, are, these aren't things that are super complicated, especially now, like every cloud provider has like some form of image recognition. Like you provided an image of a receipt and it will literally give you line by line of what that receipt says. Like every yep. single one has that. Um, I mean, again, like these are things that as technologists, you and I are like, this should be so easy. And then some other technologist is like, no, not. There's all these laws. There's all these things. I mean, for all we know, it could be actually illegal to, prov to show what's actually in the receipt. Like maybe somebody's yep. buying stuff from Amazon. They don't want other people knowing they're buying on Amazon. But that's why I say, like, at least let me label it. Let me go back and yeah. say, oh, I made this purchase for $28. That was paper towels and Red Bull or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, I had this conversation with my wife a few weeks ago where I was like, what is this $70 purchase on Amazon? Because we have different Amazon accounts. And yep. she's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, can you look? Because, I mean, $70, like, I don't care. Like, my wife and I have this agreement that if it's, if, if she needs to buy something that's under $500, don't even ask me because it's fine. Right. I'm not going to mm -hmm. argue with you. It's not worth, it's not worth the conversation. Um, I, some people are like, that's ridiculous, but it's like, people don't know me very well, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'm like, so the 70 bucks, like I'm, I was just curious because like you, you know, I haven't seen a package come that would think there would be $70. And she's like, Oh, it's this. She looked, I'm like, Oh, I wish I didn't have to ask you. Right. Wish I could just figure yeah. it out. It would be nice to know what that stuff is. And of course there's the downside, right? If you're looking at it and she bought you a gift, like, yeah, That's I mean, I mean, my wife will never spend seventy dollars on me. Like all of her gifts are like six dollars, and then she just turns them into like three hundred dollar gifts because she's amazing. Like that's what my wife does. She'll take like, she'll buy like a bunch of like silly things, and then she'll put it into something that's meaningful, which I prefer more than just stuff. Because I, I tell her all the time, like, don't buy me stuff because if I want stuff, I'll just go buy it. Like, right. I have no shortage of stuff. I know what you're saying. Yeah, like same thing here. I have a green screen up, but like literally like stuff, 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 and it's like all stuff that's Isaac bought because Isaac was like, Oh, that sounds like a great idea to buy it. Not because his wife bought it for him. Right. Um, I mean, and to get back to this conversation about technology, kind of controlling how we work this thing. Like I, I like this idea of people that are taking, I guess, closed door, closed source solutions and like making open source versions of them. I'm a huge fan of, there's a subreddit called self-hosted, okay. which, um, People like they advertise like, oh, there's this tool that exists that you have to pay money for. Well, I built a tool that's free and you can build it in a Docker container or whatever. Right. And 
sometimes I think if it's like that's a good thing or a bad thing, where because it's it's hurting commerce to some expect because there's actual businesses, but at the same time, like do I want to spend you know you know a uh, night of a thousand slices, right? Where I spend ten dollars here, ten dollars here, ten dollars here, and I spend hundreds of dollars on services that I really don't. They're ancillary services. I don't need them every day, but I like to have them when I need them. Right. I, I truly believe, at least in the world of software, that if somebody can easily replace or replicate most of your software's functionality in a weekend and then offer it <laughs> out to others, yeah. you didn't have a business model to start with. You just happen to be there first or whatever. Um, yeah. I like they're not stealing from you, right? Like that's that's a different concept. But if, if we're just talking about it like a simple piece of accounting software or something that's just adding numbers for, for you, like if you're charging $39 a month for that and somebody else is willing to roll it out and say, hey, it's free, um, then awesome. That's why I love pieces of software like Inkscape and GIMP and stuff like that because I I don't want to spend $40 a month on the Adobe suite. Uh, Even though they are superior tools and they're fantastic, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, and and somebody who isn't, uh, I'm not a professional image editor, I just want to be able to resize an image or maybe I want to put some text over an image and I don't want to do it in paint because that's how, if you don't have GIMP, you do it in paint and it looks terrible. Right. Um, and my it, thought is the reason paint is so bad is because Adobe probably is leaning on Microsoft to say, don't make that better or yeah, our lawyers I, will talk to you. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, also like, I think that paint serves a one very particular purpose. Like I need to be able to mark up an image in less than 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't need all the other tools. Um, and GIMP, like I haven't used GIMP recently, but the last time I used it, I was like, this basically does everything Photoshop does. Um, But for whatever reason, like Photoshop is still king and it will always be king because like the whole product suite is just brilliant. Um, And we have 10 minutes left. So I want to, I want to have a different conversation with you. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked about AI and we've talked about voice and we've talked about all these things that are kind of tying back to what you do at Amazon, the Alexa team. Right. Um, Quick question. How many skills do you have in the store? Available in the store is probably 10 or 12. Okay. Um, how many have I built that maybe did yeah. go through that entire process? Is It's probably in three figures, I would guess. Yeah. Do you, so, and here's a question for you. When you decide to build a skill, is it a skill that serves a purpose for Jeff? Or is it, oh, this is something fun. Let me learn how to do this. Uh, it, it varies. I mean, a lot yeah. of times the things that I build, and the reason you get to 100 projects is because some new feature became available and I want to try it. So I, I sit mm-hmm. and think about how could I use that in an interesting, effective way. Um, and then I'll build a, a, a wrapper or a project around that. The, the ones that um, have have become bigger than the initial idea is a big trivia game that I'm building. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can get it through certification, it'll be available some point soon. Um, and then I'm also building a, a completely voice-based casino mm-hmm. where you can play poker and um, slots and craps and all the games, Um, but you do it all with your voice. And so both of those sprung out of new features that I just wanted to try. The the trivia one, just as a quick example, uh, with this idea of dynamic entities. I I had tried to build a trivia game years ago, uh, early on in the Alexa days. And what I had to do was basically build uh, a slot, which think of it like a variable list, but I had to build a slot that contained all of the answers to all of my questions. So that when someone said the name of the answer to one of the questions, I could then match it up and say, oh, yeah, they said this and that matches this question. So, yeah, they're right. Um, But it got really complex as I got to like 2000 questions. 
yeah. multiple answers. My, like I might have the same answer for two questions and then it started yeah. getting weird. And um, so we released this new feature called dynamic entities, which allowed you to basically replace the values in that slot anytime you wanted. Okay. And so what made perfect sense for me as, as I was thinking of this trivia game is they just solved that problem for me, that, that huge, huge slot thing. Yeah. Now instead I can use dynamic entities, replace all the values with only the right answer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm changing them out. You know, every time I ask a question, I replace it with just the right answer. And if you match the right, if you match the one answer that I've provided, awesome, you got it right. And if you give me anything else, I know you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do a bunch of comparison and look up and yep. stuff like that. And so um, that's that seems to be what prompts a lot of my building. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, as somebody probably, it's a lot like me. Whenever you see something new come out, you're like I must try this to see figure out if it's worth the snuff, right? If it passes yep. the Isaac test, I mean, it's probably going to be good. And I think one of the things that I love about trying out new things is and this is just me being a masochist in general, is when things go wrong, right? Like, I mean, the amount of self-hosting are like software that I have, like Windows and Edge and like all these things that are like, these aren't the release versions of them. So like stuff breaks all the time. I love when stuff breaks because it makes me feel like I am actually in control of something. I mean, yeah. if I can make something break consistently, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I, I'm smarter than technology for today. Right. So when, so when you're, Going through, and I imagine you probably had the opportunity to test a lot of Alexa services that um, haven't been released yet. Like, what is that experience like? I mean, because you're very dependent on, like, sure, there's a, in the developer console of Alexa, you can do, um, you can train your skills and work against skills and things like that. Um, But at the end of the day, like, it makes your life so much easier when you got one on your desk, right? So. What is that experience like when you're testing out new services that haven't been released yet and like they're not fully baked? And I, I guess this is like how the sausage gets made a little bit. But I'm curious to know like what the the self-host experience for Alexa services is like. It's um, well, I will tell you one of the, the words that I would use is frustrating. Um, and sure. It's primarily because uh, honestly, up until launch day, everything's changing all the time. And yeah. so from from interaction to interaction, you may see a change. And you're like, well how could I have possibly known that? Like there's no documentation, there's none of the stuff. And so it feels very wild west to me because we haven't written the docs yet because the stuff isn't even stable yet. Um, but I do, I do love that. And going back to what you said about things breaking, like in, in my world, especially all of the learning is inside the breaking. Sure. Uh, If I understand how and why something breaks, then I understand how it works. Um, and that for me has been the, the foundation of, every bit of learning I've done in the software, like I said, I have a psychology degree. Every bit of learning that I've done as part of my career has come from breaking stuff. Uh, And to go back to the GitHub references and everything else, like being able to take someone else's software and run it and see it working and then say, well, what happens if I remove this? Mm -hmm. Oh, I, now I understand how that thing works because I can see that like by me pulling that one piece out, now this whole piece fell apart. Um, I, I I'm with you on that. I completely love that concept of being able to break software. I mean, I think that's why a lot of us are in tech because we are a little bit, we do enjoy, like, I mean, I've said it a few times on this stream. I've said it with a lot of people. It's like sometimes, like, I just like working through a bug, mm-hmm. right? Like, I like going through the process of this is really, really painful because um, you get that huge dopamine kick when, you're, when, you, when it works, right? Mm-hmm. And all your tests light up and everything's great. Like, that is honestly, like, that's the reason why I'm in tech still. Is because the satisfaction you get when so- when something's broken and you fix it, um, and I imagine you have a very simple like it's just at scale, right? 
Like yep. open source project that I'm working on, when I fix a bug, it's great. Uh, when an Alexa, when an Alexa service is currently going through the process and it, you know, it's broke, it fixed, and you're a part of that process when you're testing it. I mean, it's got to be super valuable to you, knowing, hey, this service, I worked on it, I, you know, I made sure that all these edge cases were hit because there are edge cases that fit just my needs that are probably the needs of a lot of other people, right? And it's all, you know, goes back to, you know, your community hat. You're always looking at like, how is the community going to have a better experience using our services, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think it's really, really impactful to be able to think about how a user's experience is going to be and always be thinking, like you, you mentioned, I think 25, 30 minutes ago about being like the customer obsession or the customer always needing to have the right solutions, right? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that um, has actually contributed to whatever success I've had in my career is the ability to I empathize with the developer. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't have a computer science degree. I didn't go to school for this stuff. So pretty much everything that I know, everything that I do is self-taught. Um, and so I have a massive amount of empathy for anyone that's trying to sit down and learn a new subject because I've been through it. I know how hard it can be. Um, and the number of times that I've found a tutorial or some kind of walkthrough, and they're, they call it step one, but they're really starting at step 10, right? Yeah, like yeah. They'll, have a, they'll have a preface that's like install node. Okay. Okay. Let me yeah. let me do that, right? Because um, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what Node is. I just wanted to make this yeah. cool chatbot thing, but now I've got to install Node, and now I've got to go read somebody else's tutorial that's only half baked, and like you just the rat hole just gets deeper and deeper. So, yeah. um, I'm I push very hard inside Amazon to make sure that we start at whatever step one really is. Yeah. Because even if it's a thing we reuse over and over, it gives people the opportunity to be like, oh, okay, I got to do these seven things, then I can get to the, the stuff that I really care about. Yeah, I mentioned the Hello World example all the time about how Hello World has all of this bias in it. Because, mm -hmm. like, the assumption is people know what Visual Studio is or Visual Studio Code. They know what programming languages are. They know, you know, and we run into the situation a lot where people probably come into tech and they immediately get turned off because it's like, well, like, the Getting Started example, one, is really boring because Hello World is very boring. But two, like, I'm not aware of all the steps needed for this very stupid example, right? And I always talk about how Hello World should be transformed into something that's maybe a bit more valuable, right? You know, I, I love I love the console read line, console write line Hello World experience, right? Where it's like you build some, some very trivial interactivity between the thing that you're writing and the thing that you're testing it with, right? I think that provides more value than just printing out statements. But that's a whole different conversation. I can go, I can rat hole for that for a while. And I know we right. only have a, a little bit of time left. Um, so as we close, like Jeff, first I want to thank you so much for coming on the stream and, and chatting with us. I mean, chatting with you about AI and voice and Alexa, like it was super exciting. I mean, I, I hope that people check out all the skills that you've built um, and take a look at some of the, you know, Jeff blogs. He said, he says, um, we'll put a link in the show notes to his blog. Um, also some of the skills that he wrote as well. Um, when we wrap up, one of the things I always like to ask my guest is, you know, if you can think of open source or technology in general in one word, what would that word be to you? Uh, for me, it's knowledge. knowledge. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to look at so open source software and say, how can I use that to build a thing that becomes a business? Or how, yeah. how can I take like build on top of someone else's work? Um, but for me, more than anything, and this goes all the way back to that freeware world, like I, I want to know how it works. I want to be able to understand it and seeing what someone else has built and being able to 
work with that. Um, all of the all the skills, by the way, that I've built, all of their source code is available on my GitHub because I, I want people to be able to learn from the stuff that I've done as well. Uh, but knowledge is definitely the word for me. Yeah, I mean, knowledge is, is uh, pretty impactful too. Like, it's not just about earning knowledge, it's also about giving knowledge too, right? And I think that technology allows you know, the generations to hand down or pass down knowledge to each other. So I, I love the reference. Yeah, so and again, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This was great. Um, for the folks that uh, are watching, this will go up on YouTube later today. I'll be sure to tweet that out. And Jeff, thank you again for your time. Do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I, I would just say, you know, if, if people want to find me, you can find me everywhere as at Jeff Blankenberg. And uh, when you build something for Alexa, reach out. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I, I would love to see it too because I'm always looking for new stuff to you know bother my kids and wife with because that's what I do. Yeah, we'll check out those blueprints for sure. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much again for tuning in, Jeff, and thank you folks for watching. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.